0: Chapter 1 and verse number 12, I'm going to try to preach in about 20 or 30 minutes. Amen. Let's see if I can do it. (laughs) I could do it. Don't worry. We'll be done quick. First Timothy chapter 1 in our text, we're just going to pull out verse number 12. If you got it, say, I got it. You guys got to loosen up for me amen you guys got to be ready how many of you guys really want the word of God eh? okay you guys want the word you guys want some little bit of fire you guys want some preaching then you guys got to come on interact with me a little bit loosen up there's like a there's like some a wall that's up here and now I'm trying to break through it so let's break through it together amen so first Timothy chapter one and verse number 12 it says and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry let's pray father in the name of jesus we thank you tonight and father we pray for an outpouring of your spirit god we pray father that you would just uh, allow us to be open and receptive and sensitive to your holy spirit father i pray that your word would come forth god with boldness with power with clarity and father that your will would be done in this place and in our lives father challenge us through your word god speak to us i pray against any distraction any hindrance. Father, we come against tiredness, we come against uh, the lies of the enemy, God, and Father, we come against the heat as well, God, and Father, we ask that you would have your way. Father, we ask that you move by your power and your anointing, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The title of my message is Faithful Believers. Faithful Believers. I have an illustration and it reads, Mark Hatfield tells of touring. Calcutta with mother Teresa and visiting the so-called house of dying where sick children are cared for in their last days and the dispen- uh, dispensary where the poor line up for the hun- uh, by the hundreds to receive medical attention watching mother Teresa minister to these people feeding and nursing those left by others to die. Hatfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering she and her co-workers faced daily. How can you bear the load without being crushed by it? He asked Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa replied, My dear Senator, I am not called to be successful. I am called to be faithful. See, beloved, my message, or the title of my message is Faithful Believers. I believe in these last days that That God is looking for. Me and my wife We're looking for individuals that would learn to be faithful. Not only faithful to your spouse. Not only faithful, you know, to the Lord. But also faithful to the local church. That God would raise you up. And that you would know where God pulled you from. And you would know where God raised you up at. And you would be grateful to the ministry. And you would be grateful to God. And that you would be faithful all the days of your life. See, in our text or our verse in first timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12 i'm going to break this down and then we're going to take off just quickly but it it goes on to say i think in verse number 12 it says i think there's part of that verse that says i think in the greek other words it says i have gratitude in the greek you get that word think is we have gratitude see one thing that keeps me and it kept me for my first 20 years and it's going to keep me for hopefully God willing for another 20 years is my gratitude. I can, I'm like Paul the apostle. I think, I thank God that he called me into the ministry. I thank God that he found me faithful. I thank God that he enabled me to be what I am here tonight. I have gratitude guys in the home. When you come in, you need to be grateful that, you know, that these doors are open. Yes, you gotta work. Yes, you gotta get up early. Yes, you gotta pray. Yes, you gotta come to church. Yes, you gotta do those things. But you would have other rules if you were in prison or if you're out there on the streets or wherever God would, wherever you would end up, not God, but wherever you would end up. But thank God and be grateful that God opened up the doors for you and there's a place where you could come and God could change your life. We gotta be grateful. When we first come into the church, we're so grateful for the church. We're like, man, where has this church been all my life? I wish somebody would have told me about this new church when it first opened up so it could have saved me from a lot of pain and misery, heartache and and hurt. I wish I would have known as soon as they got here and the doors were open. were, We're grateful when we first walked through the church doors. But what happens after we've been serving God for a little while, after we've been saved for a little while? It's very easy to lose that gratitude. In the Greek, I think means I have gratitude. Do you have gratitude tonight? Are you grateful for what God has done thus far in your life? And then it goes on to say enabled me. See the same Greek verb as in Acts 9.22 saw increase the more in strength. I'm able to do what I do as a pastor in spite of what I have to go through in my marriage, with my kids, with the people in the church, with the city. In spite of what I have to go through, I'm enabled. God is the one that enables me. He's the one that gives me the strength. See, man is by nature without strength according to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. We don't have the know with all. We don't have the power. We don't have the ability. Oh, but glory to God. God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God is able to empower us and he's able to teach us and he's able to use our lives. Man is by nature without strength. True conversion and calling confer power for that. The main ground of his thinking Christ. He counted me faithful, it goes on to say. other words, he, he foreordered and foresaw that I would be faithful to the trust committed to me. That's what Paul the apostle was saying is that, you know, that, 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 that God was able to foreorder and he foresaw that Paul the apostle would be faithful to the trust that was committed to him. We need to be a people that when God looks over, a people that when God looks at us over the balconies of heaven, he could point us out and say, that's one of my faithful ones. That's one of my chosen ones. I could foresee that they will be faithful in spite of what they go through. And no matter what happens, they will still remain faithful. Let God look through the corridor of time and and see us months from now, years from now, still faithful to him. See, Paul's thanking God for this. It shows us that the merit of his faithfulness was due solely to God's grace, not his own natural strength. Paul wasn't able to do it in his own strength. Paul wasn't able to endure everything that he went through. Paul wasn't able to in his own knoweth all, in his own power, but it was the power of God that was operating through him. Faithfulness is the quality required in a steward, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. Faithfulness is the quality required in a steward. In other words, when we're faithful, he's able to put us into the ministry. See, some people, whether they're in the church or within a home, whether it's our church, another church, Victory Outreach or otherwise, they come in and they dream big and there's nothing wrong with that. Shoot for the stars. If you're going to shoot for anything, don't shoot real low. Don't go for any mediocrity, but shoot for the stars. Don't think small. Think out of the box. Think big and know that we serve a big God and that God is able to do big things in and through your life. But we come in and sometimes... Sometimes we say, you know what, man, I wanna, I wanna, you know, be a pastor, or I wanna be an evangelist, or I wanna be a missionary, or I wanna be a leader, I wanna be a home director. I wanna be this, I wanna be that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to learn to be faithful here in the local church. You gotta buy into the local vision. You gotta come alongside of us and build the local church. And then God, if he sees you faithful and he sees fit to it, he'll give you your own. Faithfulness is the quality required in a steward. What's the definition of faithful? There's a few of them. The definition of faithful is strict or thorough in the performance of duty. A faithful worker. A second definition is true to one's word, promises, vows, etc. So our word is as good as done. See, back in the days, way back in the days... They didn't have contracts. They didn't have notaries. You didn't have to get everything notarized. You didn't have to have, you know, contracts and all this other stuff. Your word was all you needed. And if your word was good, you were considered an individual that was faithful to your word. So the definition of faithful, the second one is true to one's words, promises, vows, and etc. The third one is steady in allegiance or affection, other words, loyal, constant, faithful, as in a friend. See, we need some individuals that your allegiance would lie here in the local church, that your allegiance would be here with God, that your your loyalty would be here, that you would be constant, and you would be a faithful individual. See, I believe all of us are here either. All of us that are here, we're either faithful believers or we're striving to become faithful believers or we wouldn't be here tonight. You're either faithful and that's why you're here tonight on a Sunday night, 115 degree weather. You're in the house of the Lord. Some of you were dancing and shouting and jumping during worship time. Why? Because you're a faithful individual. But I believe that all of us here are faithful believers or we're striving to become faithful believers or we wouldn't be here tonight. But I also believe that God wants to grow his church. But in order for that to happen, we have to really be faithful in a few areas. And they're real simple. Number one is faithful in church attendance. Faithful in church attendance. You guys are here on a Sunday night, but were we all here Sunday morning. You guys that were here Sunday morning and Sunday night, will you be here Wednesday night? Faithful in church attendance in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews 1025, it says, Do not forsake the assembling together of the saints as in some are in the habit of doing. Habit. We know what habit means. Amen. I don't have to break that down in the Hebrew or the Greek or any of that. We all know what a habit is, right? Some of us we had habits. Some of us still have habits. Some of us had two, three, four, five, 10, 20 habits. We all know what habit is. Come on, talk to me tonight. Yeah. Hebrews 10:25 says, "Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, all, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." So, in other words, Saturday night, we should be calling each other and saying, Hey, man, I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm going to go to church tomorrow. The day's drawing near. I'm excited, man. I'm going to go to church tomorrow. I hope the worship team does that song because I want to jump. I want to dance. I want to shout. I want to scream for Jesus. I want to be faithful in my church attendance. As the day encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, church should be a priority in our lives. It's where we get our marching orders. It's where we build each other up. We have to realize that that we are in a war. This is not the Royal Rangers. This is not the Boy Scouts. This is a war. We are in a war. There's an enemy of our soul, and he wants to pick you off. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. But you got to get that righteous anger inside of you. You got to, you know, stir up that fighting spirit inside of you and say, no, the enemy's not going to pick me and my family off. We were here for this long, and we're going to be here as long as we're alive, and we're going to press in, and God is going to use our lives. Yes, we've taken some hits. Every war takes hits. Every war, there is casualties. But every war still has to continue. There's still a fight, a fight that needs to be fought. There's still a battle that needs to be won. There's still soldiers that need to rise up and take their place. There's still a line right here that we need individuals to come to and be in the front line and fight the good fight of the faith. But we need individuals that would at least be faithful in church attendance. Because we need our marching orders church needs to be a priority in our lives because this is where we get our marching orders and it's where we build each other up the second thing if we're going to be faithful believers we need to be faithful believers number two is in our church involvement our church involvement In the book of Matthew 20 and 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. He gave his life up for you. He came to serve us, to die for us, to die in our place. And now that we have life, eternity, now that we've been delivered, set free, changed, and saved by the blood of Christ, We need to be grateful and say, where can I come and report to duty at? Where can I get involved at? Where can I serve in the ministry? Where do I, where am I needed the most at? Because we need individuals that will be faithful in their church involvement. In the book of John, chapter 12 and 26, it says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me him my father will honor in Eccle- uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 15 and 16 it says but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share everybody say does its share Come on, say, does it share? Causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Are you doing your share? You're part of the body of Christ. Christ is the head and the church is the body. You have to do your share. God saved you and left you here that you would come and you would get your marching orders, but also that you would be involved in the building of the local church, and the building of the kingdom of God, that you would put your hands to the plow and never look back. Amen. We have to do our share. Yes, get fed for a little while, but eventually, man, you got to start giving that out. How do you give it out? You go next door in the, the nursery. How do you give it out? You go next door and you teach the little ones. How do you give it out? You stand at the door and you smile at somebody that walks through the doors. How do you give it out? You come and you greet new people and you say, God bless you. And you smile from ear to ear. How do you give it out? If you're a musician or a singer, you get up here and you give it all for God. But you got to do your share. The body of Christ begins to hurt when other body parts have to function. And work a little extra harder because the body part that's there is not doing its parts. See, if your foot is hurting, if your leg is hurting, you're limping. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the church here in East Phoenix, we're limping because some of us ain't doing our part and our share. There's a ministry with all of our names on it. There's something that we're all called to do. Why do you think God left us here, beloved? He saved us. If it was just to go to heaven and be saved, he would have took you as soon as you said the sinner's prayer. But he leaves us here because there's something he wants us to do. And that's to serve in his body. Matthew 10 and verse number 24 says that the disciple is not above his teacher nor servant above his master. How do you serve the Lord? By being involved in ministry. By being in there with those babies, by teaching the kids next door, by ushering, by greeting, by being involved here in the local church. We have to be faithful in our involvement. How many can say amen? Amen. Number three is we have to be faithful in our giving. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, and verse number 8, it says, Will a man rob God? It's a question. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Martin Luther once said this, I have tried to keep things in my my hands and lost them all. But what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 7, it says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. God wants us to excel not only with our speaking, not only with our know-with-all, with our knowledge, not only with being enthused and dancing and jumping and shouting, not only in our love for others, But he wants us to excel in the gracious act of giving as well. That the work of God would continue. That we would impact not only this city, but all over the world for the honor and the glory of God. But it takes individuals that would learn to be faithful in their giving. A lot of times, I don't know why we think that, okay, we can just come and everything's free here. Lights are free. This air, the fans, everything's free. You know, uh, this building, the water. You know, everything's free because we're a church. It's not, beloved. We need individuals that would come alongside of us and help carry the load because our backs are broken. And we need individuals that aren't faithful to learn to be faithful in the area of their giving. You're like, man, why would I come tonight? (laughs) I'm just telling us the truth. You want God to bless you, then be a blessing to others. Be a blessing to others. Be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Be faithful in the area of your giving unto the Lord. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of different rumors and a lot of different real things that have taken place over the years in churches all over the world. Where people, pastors, leaders, uh, trustees, they take off with the finances. And. We hear about it year in and year out, and we're kind of skeptical when we come to a place like this and that little basket goes around. We're kind of skeptical. Should I give? Where's my money going? I don't think you need to ask that question. Look around. This is where your money's going. Come on, look at what we got, beloved. Look at the handful of people that we have. How is this happening? I'm telling you because God is a faithful God. And the faithfulness of God is upon us. And his blessings are following us. But sometimes, you know, we, we have to realize that once that basket goes through, once you let go of it, you've given it to God. That's it. There's no more where to it go. Where'd it go? Well, first of all, the AC is like $1,200. That's a big chunk of it goes there. Amen? Feels good in here? Not too bad? Not too bad? Come on, talk to me, church. I'm just about done. Does it feel good? Perfect. Wow. I like that. More than perfect. Great. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. In the book of Luke 16 and verse number 11, it says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Mother Teresa said, "Giving isn't given until it hurts. When's the last time it hurt when you gave like, man, I needed this right here. But God, this belongs to you. And here you go. Like, man, God, you know there's too much month at the end of the money, and God, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but here you go, this hurts. Giving isn't given until it hurts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. See, God is looking for some faithful stewards that He can pour into that will love. The blessed, the one that that will love the one that's the the, the blesser more than the blessing. God is looking for individuals that would say, God, I love you more than what you give me. That God, even if you were to stop giving to me, even if you were to stop pouring out unto me, God, you've already done too much. And I love you, God. Faithful believers are faithful in their giving. Come on, how many can still say, Praise the Lord. And lastly, number four is faithful in evangelism. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, then he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Nothing wrong with fishing. I'll go occasionally if I have the time, if there's fish out there, amen. There's nothing wrong, you know. I'll even eat me a good fish if it's clean. You know, we clean it up, fry it, do whatever. There's nothing wrong with it. But God is looking, we're looking for individuals that wanna be fishers of men. There's individuals that are drowning out there in a sea called life, in a sea called sin. And God is looking for individuals that would utilize their gift and their talent. And go out there and reach individuals from all walks of life. People that used to be like some of us. People that are lost and bound. People that are virtually on the way to hell. People that have no hope. We got to bring them hope. And the only way it's going to do it, if we learn to be faithful, even in evangelism. See, it's easy to determine when something is aflame. It ignites other material. Any fire that does not spread will eventually go out. A church without evangelism is a contradiction in terms. Just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction. See, if we want this fire to spread... If we wanna to continue to add new logs in the fire, we gotta go out there and reach them and bring them in. And we gotta disciple them and teach them. And we gotta show them and hold their hands and love them and let them know what it's about serving God and living for God and being men and women of God and serving God all the days of our lives. But if we have no fire, I don't know how we're gonna burn. Amen. The only way we're going to get that fire is when we go out there and we let others know about this man named Jesus Christ that changed our lives. I don't know about you. I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know where you came from. Most of you, some of you I do, but all I know, I don't know what you were like before you walked through these doors, but I can only speak for myself. There were many doors that I walked through at one time or another. Whether it was, uh, uh, you know, the connections doors, whether it was a club's door, whether it was a bars, the doors of a bar, whether it was jail, whatever it was, many different doors that I walked through. And none of those things changed me forever. None of those things were able to give me what I got today. But one day I walked through some church doors and Jesus had his arms open wide and he welcomed me in and he embraced me and he poured his love out for me and he saved my soul. And I know that it was if it wasn't for God. I know if it wasn't for God, I probably wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive today. I wouldn't have my freedom if I was alive. Or lastly, if I was alive, I probably wouldn't be in my right mind. But what are you going to do with all those other ones that are out there? It's, it's rough out there in these streets. I don't see how they do drugs and how they do that lifestyle out there in that heat. You sit out there, your brain's frying if you're sober. Sober. More or less if you're intoxicated, imagine that just like man, I wouldn't last, I'd die. I just don't I I can't figure it out. On the way to church, we jumped in the car in the little thermostat or whatever the temperature reader, it was 120 degrees in the vehicle. I was like, Man, we could put some some flavors, some barbecue sauce on us, and we'll be good by the time we get to church finger-licking good that is amen (laughs) it's hot out there but these people are lost out there some of our own family members our loved ones our neighbors our co-workers people that are literally dying and on their way to hell and what are we going to do about it We're fine already. We're on our way to heaven already. God has saved some of our families already. But what about all those other people that are on the way to hell? We need faithful individuals that would rise up and build a strong evangelism team. In the book of Luke 19 and verse number 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he came for. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. You and I were lost, but we've been found. There's other lost individuals that still need to be found. They don't know their way. They don't know how to get here just yet. In The book of Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, everyone that considers themselves disciples should have some disciples themselves. Who are you discipling tonight? Who are you working with? Who are you teaching? Who are you? uh, who, Who do you have under your wing? Because if we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, there should be a group of disciples that we're discipling. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30, it says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Winning souls is a wise thing to do. How many can say amen? In Proverbs 14 and 25, it says, "A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. People are literally dying and going to hell. What are we going to do about it? There's an unknown source, that word that pinned these words, and I'm going to read them. It says, "For God so loved the world, He so loved the world, not just a few, the wise and great." The noble and the true or those of favored class or rank or hue. God loved the world. Do you? Do you? You love those individuals that are virtually out there. Are you willing to have compassion like Jesus when he looked out to the multitudes? He felt their pain. Are we able to walk by somebody that that smells? somebody that hasn't showered, somebody that's been on dope for a while, somebody that's been drinking for years, somebody that's homeless, somebody that's on their way to hell, somebody that has a story that hasn't been told. Are we able to walk by them and not feel what they're going through and forget the pain that we once felt? Are we able to drive through a neighborhood and see gang members standing up on a street corner and forget what it felt like, willing to die for a neighborhood and not feel what that, and remember that pain that it used to bring upon us. Remember that feeling? Are we able to see these individuals that are lost out of their minds? because they smoked something or they took something or they popped something and they're no longer the same and not feel their pain? Are we able to see these young girls having kids from everybody? And you're a young lady and you experienced some stuff in your life growing up. And not have compassion on her. And let her know that there's somebody named Jesus that loves you more than any guy in this world. Are we able to feel their pain? If we feel their pain, then why aren't we doing nothing about it? Should we change our name to just victory? Because outreach means we go out there and we reach these people that nobody else wants to reach, that we roll up our sleeves, that we tie up the bootstraps and we go out to the highways and the byways and we bring them to the house of the Lord and let God do a miracle in it through their lives. Do we forget, though? Me, when I think about it, me, when I see people at times, it moves me. I feel their pain. I'm not like Jesus exactly. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I have compassion. Just talking about it breaks me. Because I believe all of us have family members that are just as lost. All of us know people that we've grown up with. People that we live by that are on their way to hell. And we load up in our vehicles... Once, twice, if you're faithful three times a week, and we drive by them on the way to church. But yet we could tell, man, they're on dope, or man, they're alcoholics, or man, look at, she's cheating on her husband, and man, you know, she has kids from all over the place. And we see all that, and we can notice it, but it doesn't move us with compassion no more. What are we going to do, church? Because we need faithful believers. I don't want to stay at 100 people. I don't want to go from 100, 150 back down to 70 or 80. There's too many sinners in this city. This is like the sixth or seventh biggest city in the United States. And there's sin running rampant in these streets. And people every day literally dying and going to hell. But what is God brought us here for? He brought us together that we would get out there and reach them and love them and let them know about Jesus Christ. Faithful believers are faithful in evangelism. I know we're busy. I I know we all have our own lives. I know we all have our own problems. But literally, if you're saved already, (laughs) you're already on your way to heaven. How bad is that? In the overall scheme of things, when people are out there, they have it even worse than us. But they're literally on their way to hell. We have to do something about it. God brought you here that you would not only be faithful in your church attendance, not only that you would be faithful in your church involvement, not only faithful in your giving, but also faithful in evangelism. Why don't we all stand? You guys are the faithful ones. You guys come on a Sunday night. Sunday night is our smallest attendance. So on the most part, you are faithful or you wouldn't be here as far as your church attendance is concerned. But what about these other areas? What about the area of involvement? You say how many of you guys say you're serving God? Raise your hand if you're serving God. You serve God. All right. To what capacity are you serving God? Because coming to church is not serving God. Serving God is when you put your hands to the plow and you get involved in the work of God and you serve in the local church. That's all part of serving God. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise, right, for those of us. That's all part of serving God is serve God when I'm in the nursery. I serve God when I teach the children. I serve God when I usher. I serve God when I greet. I serve God when I'm on the platform. I serve God when I'm in the recovery home and I'm preaching or teaching or whatever. I'm serving God. Be faithful in your church attendance. We need you. God needs you. Be faithful in your church involvement. Get involved in a ministry. We need teachers. We need ushers. We need uh, uh, nursery workers. We need workers next door. It's fine and dandy. Everybody wants to come. I hope because you like my preaching. Praise God. I thank you for that. Once or twice a month, go next door and, and get involved in a ministry. Come alongside of us. Some of us are, I've been, my back has been hurting these like four days straight. I think that's, I know why now. My back's broken, man. This is getting heavy. I need some of you to come alongside of us and say, man, Pastor, let me help out in this. Let me come alongside you and relieve you. Sister Tina, let me come and help relieve you of this. And let me get involved. And then as well as our giving. You know, let me be honest with you. I know that I need to do a message on giving. I know that. My pastor's been on me for that. A whole message on giving. Most churches do it quarterly. They'll speak one message on giving. A whole The whole message. I've never done that in my life. But let me tell you. Let me speak to you. This is from a pastor to you. This is 20 years of serving God. I'm going to tell you why some of you struggle financially because you rob God. I'm going to tell you why you jump from job to job or you can't get the job that you're looking for because you rob god i'm going to tell you why you go at it sometimes in your relationships or uh, some of the things the bible says in malachi 3 8 through 12 that you're cursed cursed i don't have to break that down in the greek or the hebrew cursed other words, there's a, we're withholding the blessings of God. The windows of heaven are shut because we're robbing God. We need to learn to be faithful in the area of our giving. And then lastly, we need to be faithful in evangelizing. There's people that are dying that are on their way to hell. There's people that are literally, literally dying without Christ. And it's in our name, Victory Outreach. We're supposed to have the victory already. If we got the victory already, then we need to go out there and reach those that don't. We need to go out and reach them. And the men's home, if this message isn't for you, stay in your seat. Don't come because you feel you have to come. Don't anybody come because you feel you have to come. I just want those that that want to come and say, you know what, man? I want to be be a faithful believer. My church attendance, my church involvement, my giving as well as reaching others for the honor and the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would raise up a people, God, a faithful people, God, faithful believers. God, that would desire, God, to have your heartbeat, that would see people through your eyes, God father that would love people and love you god father individuals that desire to be faithful father that you would enable us god that you would empower us god that you would call us into the ministry god because you see that we're faithful god father meet the needs of your people god raise them up god give them the know with all give them the ability give them the power god to be these faithful believers we need them god Your church needs them. The body of Christ needs more of them, God. And Father, I pray that you would rise up faithful believers here in East Phoenix. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you want.